The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Housing, refugees, and hospital trolleys, the three crises that have dominated the headlines and plagued the current and many of them former governments. How come these particular problems seem to be so intractable? Jonathan Healy asks whether those looking for solutions are ignoring the obvious. From April, hundreds of people will face the prospect of losing their home. Single people, couples, parents with children and pensioners will become homeless. We believe that leaving it in place uh, would have reduced the availability of places to rent and would have driven up rents further. Why? Because it would discourage new landlords from coming into the market who we need and may cause once ended Uh, more and more landlords to leave. What additional emergency measures for April will you put in place to counteract the negative consequences of your own decision? The latest convulsive crisis. The end of the eviction ban that's piled pressure on the coalition. And given the nature of the topic, it's a pressure that's hard to withstand. It's very stressful. It's really very stressful. A few months ago, I had panic attacks. It's just suddenly come, suddenly come. I was sleepless. I couldn't sleep. I feel sick. Evictions stir up a deep-seated emotion in the Irish psyche. The spectre of bailiffs knocking homes during the famine. But right now, there is no famine. And while they may make an appearance at some point, there are very few bailiffs. So the outrage is doing little to address the real problem. Definitely uh, too much, like 500,000. 200 grand? From website joe.ie, asking people in Dublin about the price of a new home. Maybe maybe 700 grand, I changed my answer. Seven, 800 grand. Um, I'd say roughly um, 400,000 euro. I don't know, 450? Probably nationally around 300,000, I would, I'd guess. The answer when that question was asked was about 280,000. Now it's well north of 300,000. Inflation being driven by, well, inflation, and more crucially, a shortage of supply. People are in these situations. They cannot afford a home, not because of something that's their own fault. It's because of government policy. Dr Rory Hearn of Maynooth University. We look at other countries, Austria, the capital city, Vienna, for example. Half of all the housing there is provided either by the state or by what they call not-for-profit providers of rental housing. You can rent a home for half of what you pay um, here in Dublin, in Ireland. While there are many reasons why there is a shortage of supply, there are few solutions that seem to actually work. So we've decided to roll this crisis into the last one and into the one before that. Nula and her daughter Laura are homeless. For the last two weeks, this hotel room has been their home. There is no normality. It's the not knowing, the uncertainty, the insecurity. Despair. What is going to become of you? Then failure. Inadequate parent. And it just spirals out of control. Okay. Getting up in the morning, getting ready. Oh my gosh, that in itself, you have to deem as an achievement and sort of say, okay, well, you've done it today. Families forced to live in hotel rooms was the eviction ban of its day. 
and housing has been called out for what it is, a very real crisis. It isn't a crisis anymore. It is a disaster. Building homes is what is important. It is not to be a star performer for the speculative sector internationally or anything else. But not to contradict Michael D, we have allowed a situation to emerge where the word crisis has lost its currency. It's completely undignified. And actually dignity is the word that sprang to mind when I think of those patients, because they deserve better. Like I mentioned, they're in their 60s, their 70s, some of them older. They're in their night dresses, in their pajamas, dressing and clutching covers up under their chin. They're for all the world to see when they should be in a private room afforded the type of care they deserve. The other big attention grabber when we get a bit bored of the housing headlines. The crisis deepens, the inadequate bed supply is coming back to haunt us, the running down of community services is coming back to haunt us, and the shortage of staff is coming back to haunt us. And the losers are patients who are very sick and frail and frontline staff who can't cope. Successive ministers have gone on the record to condemn ED overcrowding and promising to end that which has the vulnerable near terrified to go to hospital. Mary Harney was the first. We've got to use whatever capacity exists in this state and deal with this as a national emergency because it is not acceptable to me or to any decent person that elderly people in particular are lying on trolleys overnight on corridors in accident and emergency departments. Then James Riley. I said before that we would solve the waiting list crisis within three years of coming into power. So that remains a commitment that I still undertake. Um, and I've made a commitment also that we will not see 569 people on trolleys again. Leo Varadkar. It is indefensible that anyone should spend um, more than 24 hours in the emergency department. And Simon Harris. I really am sorry for Irish patients and indeed for their staff working in our hospitals, the experiences and the conditions that they're having to put up with at the moment. It isn't acceptable. The health service must do better. And I want to see absolutely everything done to try and improve this situation. I could add a clip of Stephen Donnelly here, but shaming five ministers might be considered overkill. Medics have been calling this out for years, and there are studies which show outcomes are impacted when delays in admission affect patient care. Until we have the capacity in terms of acute hospital beds, step-down facilities, rehab facilities, intensive care bed facilities, we're not going to be in a position to address this. But it's a crisis that somehow the state feels is intangible, just like the refugee crisis. Soon to be home to hundreds of Ukrainian refugees, a tent village installed at an Irish army base after the country officially ran out of state accommodation. That's happened more than once now and factors such as war have made the situation worse. But Ireland isn't alone in dealing with an influx of refugees and newsflash for government, it's unlikely to get any better anytime soon. We have now about 5 million refugees and 7 million internal displaced persons from Ukraine alone. But there are also other countries like Venezuela, like Sudan, like Myanmar. They are probably not in the headlines now, but millions of refugees are displaced um, inside of these countries or from these countries. So how have we gotten to here? where every crisis feels too big to fix and merges into the next. A political roller coaster that never brings you back to the start. Ireland has had crises before. You know, when you, when you get married first, you buy a house. And you're delighted with it because it's the all-important thing at the time. It's only later on when you sort of have time to look around and... and when your children are growing that you realise there are snags too. 
I, I don't know anything about the, 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 the mechanics of the thing, but I know that the builders, to my mind, they, 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 it's horrible. They just don't care. They don't put any imagination or any planning into most of the estates. They just put as many houses as they can possibly fit onto the land they have. A report from RTE in 1969 about new houses being built in Ballymun and Finglas, moving people out of tenement slums in the city and starting new lives in the suburbs. They did the same across the water in particularly challenging times. They called them the Doodlebug Villas. These little prefabricated homes were Britain's answer to the housing crisis after the Second World War. Three quarters of a million homes had been destroyed. For two men can build these emergency houses for doodlebug victims in three days. Each with a living room, two bedrooms and a kitchenette. They'll accommodate families of five with a little extra room to swing a kitten. Wood and asbestos are the main ingredients used. OK, maybe hold off on the asbestos, but that sounds like something that could be done relatively quickly helping people. We might not have the doodlebugs to motivate us, but there should be enough political will to start building something on a larger scale. And when you drill into the numbers, we kind of have no choice. The population is now estimated to be 5.01 million, the first time the comparable population for the 26 counties has reached 5 million since 1851. It is, you could say, the highest population Ireland has had since famine times. The census shows that Ireland's population is growing at three times the rate of housing supply. More people means more houses needed. It really isn't rocket science. Nor is it rocket science that the crisis in our hospitals just happens to coincide with the fact that in 1987 we had nine beds per thousand people compared to just three per thousand now. I've heard uh, government ministers uh, talk today about we've recruited uh, 16,500 additional staff, but have completely left out the context that that only really brought us back to the staffing levels we had back in 2008. And the population and the demand for the service has grown significantly since then. An estimated 5,000 new hospital beds are what are needed to get us back to the halcyon days of, and I'll check my notes here, the 1980s. So in the face of overwhelming demographics, why has the Irish state decided against radical thinking and chosen to instead just ignore population growth? The hospital is now going to cost 1.7 billion euro. That's over a billion more than what Leo Varadkar had said in April 2016, less than three years earlier. Unless heads roll, unless people are held to account for this disgraceful uh, overrun, um, they will continue to do it. The new National Children's Hospital overspend sent a chill through government departments. The state's inability to keep a lid on costs has resulted in something of a paralysis in decision-making. The fear that someone is going to be blamed... And it could be me. Ministers come and go, but civil servants remain. The permanent government who work hard, but who appear to have become increasingly risk-averse. Perhaps the solution again lies in the past. This trying to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps was not going to get anywhere, obviously, in a country that was poor and had a very small market. Most civil servants shy away from the public eye, but T.J. Whitaker's approach opened up Ireland to new possibilities, which subsequent generations have truly enjoyed. For the first 35 years of our stay, the policies pursued were at best inadequate and at worst negative and perverse, I have to say. 
and he took the initiative to reverse that. I think it was very unusual because he started preparing an economic program on his own account and then presented it to his minister, who went, who went with it, the government went with it. It was Sean Lamas who, who basically said that Tika Whitaker's book, which was an internal detailed report in the Department of Finance, should be published and it then formed the basis of the first programme for economic expansion from 1959 to 63, I think. So it was Whitaker's approach that led the country to the prosperity it enjoys today, the corner of Europe where the big beasts of commerce have pitched their tents. Probably because they couldn't afford a house, of course. I know that Ireland today has a budget surplus of 2%. That's a position that many other European countries would wish themselves to be in. What have been the growth drivers for the Irish story? Um, it's a combination of measures. We have continued success in foreign direct investment, winning multinational investment from the United States and indeed from mm -hmm. all over the world, but a very strong uh, domestic, indigenous, uh, SME-based economy as well. And you know we have a good talent pipeline. We really However economists feel about the way we reached our record exchequer returns, what they agree on is that Ireland has never had it so good. We were even credited with keeping the entire EU from tipping into a technical recession last year. But what good is money if you can't use it well? The current government and its civil servants will be judged harshly for failing to use the boomiest of booms to address the most obvious issue. Not trolleys, not lack of housing, but demographics. More people in the country requires more investment. Planning not for tomorrow, but for the medium term and beyond either the next election or when you retire. Whitaker-style 21st century thinking, for which future generations might just about give our generation a passing grade. Jonathan Healy there looking at the crimes that have plagued the current government. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.